Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. All right, welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer live down in Ice District at Rogers Place. We're in the Hall of Fame room. Special thanks again to Sean Elford, our engineer. Uh, Reed Wilkins and Cam Moon will guide you home from about 2.45 on, but it is our privilege at this time to have the new CEO of uh, Hockey Operations for the Edmonton Oilers. This is the fifth time he's been on the show over the years. We welcome back Jeff Jackson. Hello, Jeff. Big day for you. Uh, your thoughts on uh, the opportunity here in Edmonton? Yeah, I mean, I'm super excited. As I, uh, as I said in my remarks, I'm uh, I'm thrilled to be in Edmonton. I'm thrilled to be part of this organization. Uh, Daryl Cates and his family giving me the opportunity is something that uh, I very much appreciate. I take the uh, challenge uh, seriously, obviously, and I look forward to working with Kenny and and the entire staff. Um, I've got a long and great relationship with Bob Nicholson. Bob's going to be still here as a senior advisor and, and, and a critical part for me in um, kind of feeling my way around early on. We had Brian Lawton on the show earlier today. Brian did something similar to what you've done, where he sold Octagon's agency, uh, went to Tampa Bay. Ironically enough, uh, that combination of uh, Orrin Coolis and Tyson Berry, or Tyson Berry's dad, Len Berry, they were uh, ratified as owners the same day Daryl Cates was back in 2008. So oh, wow. that's when that occurred. You were with the Maple Leafs at that time uh, in the Maple Leafs organization. Uh, and we talked a bit about Brian, just about the difficulty in not saying goodbye to your client, but the, because you've known the families, and, it, it, and that's part of relationship building. So just a thought on that. Maybe you can educate our listeners. I mean, that could not have been an easy situation for you. It was really difficult, to be honest. And it was it was part of my decision-making process when I was thinking about, you know, this feeling that I was going to abandon these kids and their families that, like you said, we, we recruit these kids when they're 14. We spent a lot of time with them. Um, with their mom and dad at tournaments through their junior careers through the draft through their first couple years of pro and then onward and uh it was hard i I mean we we sat down with everybody um dave and i did meetings we drove around we we had the luxury in ontario that we could get to, to pretty much all of our players fairly easily geographically but it was hard to um, it was hard to sit with families and, and tell them they were all thrilled for me. They were all supportive. They were great. But it, it, it was hard. What was it about the opportunity here, Jeff, that made sense for you to take that to take that to get back on the other side of the floor? Of course, you worked with the Leafs, 06 to 2010, and, and, and to re-engage in the hockey operations side. I don't know, um, Bob. I mean, I've had a bit of a weird career you know playing and then being a lawyer for eight years and then and then being in hockey management and then going to the agent side and i feel like I'm, I'm 58 years old i loved what i was doing and i wasn't looking to change it as i said but when the opportunity and the challenge came along i'm, I'm kind of i'm kind of wired that way and looking at this team and with the with the with the McDavid connection like and the where the team's at and so, where Kenny's done such a good job getting them to here like it was it was like this is something I want to do and uh, so all of that contributed in but it's a, it's it's a different challenge for me in my life and my kids all encouraged me to do it 
pretty much when they said do it, I did it. Yeah. So um, absolutely. All right. Well, you know what's interesting is when Pete Shirelli came, he'd been the GM of the Boston Bruins, and then he was relieved of his duties. And a week later, week later, he's the GM. He hadn't been watching the Oilers. Okay, yeah. he'd been watching Boston. Yeah. With all due respect to Ken, Ken had been the GM of the Detroit Red Wings. They, you know, they bring in Steve Eisman. Ken's going to be the executive uh, vice president. Instead, the opportunity he'd been watching Detroit. This is a different situation because you've been watching the Oilers because of the Connor connection, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, I I've watched every game since he came into the league, and and you know we've had other clients here, um, having Bush here, um, having now Connor Brown joining the team, who who was a client. Um, but yeah, I I know this team. I spent a lot of time talking with Bob. With Peter, prior to to, um, to Kenny, Kenny and I have had a great thing. It's kind of funny. We were talking today. We started our relationship when Kenny was hired. That's when Connor had his knee injury, and Kenny didn't really know how bad the knee injury was when he took the job. And then we had to work together through the whole summer with the with the Oilers training staff and with Mark Lindsay and, and the crew that he had put together with Gary Roberts and a fantastic group in, in Toronto. But, like, Kenny and I talked a lot that summer where we wouldn't have normally done that, and it kind of solidified our relationship, and then we just kind of built on it from there. Uh, Jerry Johansson uh, with the Sports Corporation. He's got one of the larger books in, uh, in the league as far as an agency goes. Talked a bit about Mark, but he talked about the cutting-edge stuff that Wasserman did in terms of player development and sports science. It's like this is, we take this from a team perspective. Well, it's the team's responsibility to develop players. Look at your 2016 second round of the draft. I mean, the Oilers took Tyler Benson, a local product, 32nd overall in that draft year. Cairo, uh, Dabrinkit, Radish, Kachuk, they're all legit NHL players. A couple of those guys have scored 35-plus goals in an NHL season. That is part of what you guys did that was really special, wasn't it? Was it a focus for Wasserman on the development side? And was it a scenario where maybe you you guys took ownership and didn't necessarily just leave it to the, uh, the team? Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I mean, I think... Dave Gagne is, you know, phenomenal with player development. He's got a great hockey mind. He, I kind of enticed him to come to the agent side from his role as the director of player develop, development for the Canucks. Right. He'd been doing that. He'd been doing that with his son Sam. You know, as a as with John Tavares. Cody Golubev, they all played for Dave going up. They all end up playing in the NHL. He just has a track record of knowing how to develop players. So. Part of what we talked about when I tried to get Dave to come was like, let's have a model where we do the player development. We're going to work with these guys from the time they're 14. We can help them early on. And that's what we did. And Dave ran all of it. Um, I supported him. I sometimes went on the ice and moved pucks around for him, but he ran everything. Um, And then, you know, as we've gotten a little bit older, you know, he's transitioned that to some really other good skills guys. Um, But part of what we did there was use the resources that Wasserman gave us to try to, like, make the players better in any way they could before they got to an NHL team. And then not doing anything counterproductive to what the team is doing, but working with their player development people 
to kind of sink it. You alluded a bit on ownership. Uh, when Wayne, uh, when Daryl was pursuing the orders back in 07, 08, Wayne Gretzky came on my show, and, and I asked him point blank, look, this, this organization sold you, Wayne. They didn't trade you. They sold you and Mark Messier, and a lot of the fan base never got over. Had real challenges uh, during the day. Kevin Lowe uh, did a wonderful job keeping the team as competitive as he did, but the orders couldn't keep Doug White and Bill Guerin. And Wayne cut me off and said, Bob, if Daryl Cates gets the team, he's going to sign all his best players for as long as he can, which has been his modus operandi mm-hmm. as, owner, as an owner. When you have somebody that's committed to keeping the best players, change, yeah. the, change the landscape for the team and the organization. Is Edmonton viewed different as a guy that was in, you know, an agent uh, before, you know, Connor, you know, you get Connor, but you're watching this. You were with the Leafs back in the, you know, 06 to 2010. Daryl came aboard. Is Edmonton seen differently now? Because basically every significant drafted and developed player they've had, they've signed to the max term late deal. Yeah, I mean, I think that speaks to Daryl's commitment. I mean, it's, um, you know, I, I, I said I've been around here eight years, and I've, I've met Daryl a couple times. I, I, I had, I was at a dinner at his house early on when Connor was drafted, and we were there with Brian and Kelly and Connor, and Kevin Lowe was there, and Pete was there, Peter Shirelli and and Daryl's family. Um, but I haven't really, didn't really get to know him or talk to him too much. Um, but when I met with him and spent some time, it's very clear how committed he is to being a, like an elite franchise for a long time. Um, it's very clear. And that was a big part of when I walked out of that meeting saying to myself, like, this is this is a good situation. He's a great owner. He's going to give the resources and the anything we need to win. And it's there was no like second guessing from my point of view. It was it was very clear. And finally, Jeff, it's an unbelievable fan base. They kept the building full during a full blown rebuild. There was two stretches. I'm going into year 16. There was two stretches where the team won once 21 games, and the building was full the entire yeah. time. And obviously, <laughs> you know it's pretty special what they get a chance to watch on a regular basis but it is you know it's a little bit different than other markets it's the third best uh, television market in the international hockey league they have the third best numbers yeah. uh radio wise the radio deal is number one in terms of uh you know cost per thousand in terms yeah. of what chorus pays to have the rights to a game i mean it is it is a little bit it is you worked in toronto it's a hockey hot but it is a little bit different than toronto isn't it yeah it is but it's very passionate and it's um you know, it's it's a great market for the, the team has great revenues. They have an amazing fan base. Like I said in my my uh, in the Q and A, like uh, I've sat in this building so many nights and walked the concourse and listen to the fans and it doesn't matter whether they're winning or losing like they're they're behind this team of course they get to watch you know some special players here but i was also here in year one when it wasn't so rosy and they were pretty much the same so uh, i think it'll continue and hopefully we can make them super happy uh, well, the good news is this is the last of the radio interviews you'll have to do for, with me for a while, uh, Jeff. But I think we have to do another one here shortly. We're going to hand it over to Reed Wilkins and Cam Moon. Uh, congratulations on the new position, and uh, we look forward to touching base with you down the road. Thanks, Bob. I appreciate it. You bet. Reed Wilkins and Cam Moon will guide you home the final 18 minutes of Oilers Now. Extended edition of Oilers Now today. Bob Stoffer has... Uh Stepped out to schmooze a little bit. He's working the room. Reed Wilkins and Cam Moon will take you until 3 o'clock. We're live in the Oilers Hall of Fame room in Rogers Place in Ice District in downtown Edmonton as uh, Jeff Jackson has been named the CEO of Hockey Operations for the Oilers. So uh, a new position. 
and he's also going to be an alternate governor on the NHL Board of Governors. He's going to oversee uh, the NHL, AHL, and WHL hockey operations. He was just on one-on-one with Stoff. You heard him and Ken Holland here uh, at the podium make some opening remarks. Well, I guess they weren't at a podium. They were in comfortable chairs. Yes. And uh, and then answer a few questions. So, Mooner, this is, as, as, as we know, or people know, uh, so much in life, not just in hockey, is uh, is relationships? Uh, you know, who do you, who who do you know? Who are you comfortable with? Uh, yeah, and, and I think that's a big part of of what's happening here. Jeff Jackson. I mean, I mean, of course, the McDavid relationship is is the headline, but because of McDavid and and Jeff touched on this, he's watched every Oilers game for the last eight years. He's been around the Oilers a lot. Yes, he has a large stable of clients, and agents try to take care of all their clients. But as we know. They're not all equal. Some are yep. more important than others. And when you have Connor McDavid, uh, he's your he's your headliner in that stable. So he's he's new he's new to the organization, I guess, as an actual employee of it. He's not new to the organization, and I'm not saying he knows all the inner workings, but he's not new to the organization in terms of knowing the people, being comfortable with with the people, and having a general understanding of how things operate. Well, that's that's a big part of it, a real big part of it, and I, I could. I could see just in the the press conference alone that there's uh, there's comfort and there's trust uh, between Ken Holland and Jeff Jackson. You can just see that, and because they've you know, worked together, although on different sides of it over the course of the last how many years, that um, that you have you just you have some trust. There's some trust there, and, and you can see why that's part of it. And that, that is such a big part, whether it's whether it's in the in hockey or, or any sport or any uh, any business. You want to have people working for you that uh, that you have that trust equity with, and I think that's a big part of it. So, yeah, that you could see that that was on display today. And when you bring in somebody, and, and we talked about it before, you bring somebody into your organization that uh, that's a very smart hockey person that uh, has the, the the resume, the acumen uh, in a lot of different aspects of this game, whether it's uh, player development, whether it's uh, you know negotiations, all of these things. Um, you're doing your organization a, a great service by bringing in somebody like that, and I think that's what they did today. So, uh, I mean, look, Oilers fans are, are very passionate uh there, there may be some people wondering okay well for me as an everyday fan what does this mean well i i would say uh if things go well uh hopefully you don't actually hear from jeff jackson a lot you know he has yeah, the job right. and you know he's he's at the helm and uh he's not out i mean i often say this on my show if i get to interview somebody you know very high ranking whether it's a, a president of a team or, or a league you know if, CFL commissioner or whatever, sure. uh, oftentimes those people don't speak unless uh, something really big has happened with the organization or something's gone very wrong with an organization. So, uh, I mean, we'll see. We'll certainly see Jeff Jackson. And again, I alluded to this with you and Bob before it, it started. Next summer, there'll be some sort of a GM announcement. Yep. Uh, whether Ken's going to stay on or somebody else is hired. So Jeff Jackson will be... Uh, will be involved in that and would be involved in an announcement. I, I would say to the everyday fan, probably the less you hear from him publicly, 
likely the better. Uh, that's not. He obviously has a very important position, but he's in one of those positions where it's like, okay, he doesn't. He's not going to be coming out commenting on the day-to-day right. minutia of, of the organization. He's he's overseeing it and and getting involved when necessary. So that's what I, I like. Yes, today is big. I, I know Oilers fans are passionate. They want to know the name of everybody in the organization. But I think in terms of a uh, a public face i mean he's not somebody that you need to hear from a lot you kind of hope like things are under control i'll pop my head out one or two times a year to make an announcement or clarify something and and then we're fine yeah you're not going to be front and center with that uh, type of position but what i do think is important reed to this this uh this whole process is you're bringing somebody in that has been around the organization a lot in the last eight years nine years but hasn't been in it so what you're bringing in and you're bringing a very smart individual that has been around hockey their entire lives but you bring a different opinion a different set of eyes fresh set of eyes and uh, maybe a different way of looking at certain situations or aspects of your organization and and because of that i i I only see positive things because of it, because you're bringing in somebody that uh, hasn't been in it, but has been around it, so is is familiar with how things ha- have have gone, but uh, is looking to improve mm-hmm. and having a, a new set of eyes and a new opinion to uh, to try and bring that improvement there. So this is a team that's you know, it's right in the mix with uh, any of the contenders going into the upcoming season. So you know, what uh, can they do or everybody do together collectively to put you over the top? And uh, I, I think that because you're bringing in a, a different, different uh, set of eyes, it's going to be helpful. Well, and you mentioned the word improve, and I mean this is this is the shift in the Oilers organization over the last eight or nine years. Well, certainly since they won the McDavid lottery, um, where we're not in a stage where we're talking about people being hired to to fix, to repair, that's right, to clean up yeah. a mess, to try to build. And now they still have a step to go because they want to win the cup, and is sometimes that last step is the hardest. Sure, right? It's one thing to go from last to being a playoff contender now they're okay third round second round they, you know the, the, these last couple steps are going to be the hardest but that's that's what we're at now and and he sees that and he wanted to be i mean he could have he could have stayed doing what he was doing yes. and been just fine professionally and financially and Absolutely. I'm sure a, lot, a lot of different ways. So he, 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 he wants to do it and he wants to help and, uh, and wants to be here. So now, uh, now we'll see how it goes. Uh, Mooner, it's good to see you. What, uh, what, what, you were at a game. Did, have you been going to a lot of Riverhawks? They're into their last weekend, right? Yeah, this is the, the, this is the last homestand. So they started on, on Tuesday. And I went Tuesday, and I went last night, and I'm going tonight. <laughs> and they go till Sunday, and then that's it. Right. Uh, I don't think they're in a playoff position. No, 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 not likely. But it has been uh, a lot of fun at the ballpark, and uh, it seems to be a great time had by all yeah. uh, when people go. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Uh, well, and uh, Steve Hogle's going to hop on Inside Sports with me tonight oh, as nice. well. And we got a thing going on with 630 Chet Sounds Anonymous with the Riverhawks, so we'll have some details on that, uh, which is which is pretty cool. Were you? I, I mean, certainly you weren't surprised to see the Elks do something on Monday. No, I, I wasn't mean, surprised. Two shutouts. Uh, yeah. Oh. And I and you were you were at the game the other day, and I was at the game the other day, and and I really thought they would get points. At some point in that game, I also thought that they'd be able to get to the red zone, which they didn't. They didn't even, and they didn't get over center field very often either. Uh, but they did. 
it, I'm not surprised they did something. I'm glad they did. Uh, whatever it takes, it the it, certainly they're at the let's hope the bottom of the downswing that now it's making their way back up and hopefully that's the case i hope it's the case because i really want to see the team just make improvements and find a way to get that all elusive home win of course but uh just just some sort of positivity for not just the players and, and the and the the entire franchise but for the fans you know for the people that uh, are sticking by them even though they're having some tough times it's an extended edition of oilers now with bob stoffer reed wilkins and cam moon uh taking you home brendan escott back at the 6 30 ched broadcasting compound we'll call a quick timeout and then wrap it up does bob pick this music I wouldn't no, think this I was didn't. his style. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> what? What is this? This is Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're hey, pretty good. Escott knows what's up. Yeah. Uh, Trent Reznor. That's yeah. the guy. That's the one guy I can name from that band. Okay. You know, they did the music for the movie Seven, classic film. Oh, did they? Or Reznor did, I think. Yeah. Yeah, okay. he's done some uh, soundtrack. I think he did the music for The Social Network, actually. Oh, that's a good movie. I just watched that within it's the last about, two it's weeks. It's about Facebook. That's what I hear. <laughs> What's that line Timberlake had? Not the Facebook, just Facebook. Facebook. Yeah, yeah. Winklevi twins. That's that's right. Yeah. And then that actor went and made the Lone Ranger movie that nobody watched, and Is that, that right? was done. That was it for him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had to play both twins, didn't he? He did have to he play did. both twins. He was yeah. He could have been on Full House as well. Sure. <laughs> oh wow, that's deep. Or wait, or was that a twins playing one character? I don't know. Yeah, that was twins playing one character. Yeah, anyway, uh, Brendan Escott back at the 630 Chat Studio. Escott, how are you doing? What stood out for you this afternoon? Well, I mean, it's obviously an exciting opportunity for the franchise to have a different perspective injected into the front office. I know, as you hinted at, that's been something we've heard flan- uh, fans clamoring for for years now. So uh, that's super encouraging. And the fact that he's got such a strong pre-existing relationship with McDavid going back over a decade now, well, that should be the uh, the key signifier that they're trying to make this uh, a lifelong Edmonton Oiler. And, and why not, right? I mean, this is... Uh, you got to take every unique advantage that you may have at your disposal. And, it, you know, knowing his background and what he has in experience-wise in, uh, in NHL experience, being the general manager of the Toronto Marlies, that sort of thing. I mean, I think this could really be a, a sneaky, sneaky good move. All right. Brendan, thanks. Great work this afternoon. Mooner, good to see you. Thanks for having me. Uh, Stoff was here as well. We're wrapping up uh, his show. So Jeff Jackson takes over. He is the CEO of uh, the Oilers hockey operations side of things. Bob, more on this tonight on Inside Sports from 6 to 8. Chris Morris, U of A football coach, is going to join me. Uh, Steve Hogel from the Riverhawks. Uh, Jack Michaels will pop on as well. Canned hams, too. And we'll probably give out some canned ham shirts. You Thanks, Peter. Thanks, Thanks Scott. Thanks for listening, everybody. Talk to you tonight.